Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Well, are you ready for the word today? Oh, we got a good word today. Um, I am hoping that, that you find something today to latch on to. Do you know that General George Washington... When General George Washington was made the commander of the Continental Armies, whenever he was given charge of the armies of the Americas, do you know what his very first order was? We have it in writing. It was his very first written general order to every soldier in the Continental Army in this revolutionary war they were approaching. Every one of the soldiers. He said this, every soldier not actually engaged in duty, standing a post on the Lord's day will be found in the house of the Lord, worshiping God and praying that he would intervene in this great attempt that we are pursuing. Wow. General George Washington made it an order. I order you, go to church. I order you, pray. I order you, worship God. I order you, intercede for what we are doing. Unless you are actually standing a post, you are ordered to be in church on Sundays. Wow. I love that man. Oh, my goodness. I love America. I believe in our, in our great godly heritage, and I believe it's for reasons just like that, and men and women just like that, that caused our nation to be formed with such a solid and strong backbone and such a belief in Almighty God as our help. Amen? You can open your Bibles today to Acts chapter 16. I will be reading today from the New Living Translation, and so if you do not have access to that translation, then you can look on our screens. We'll put it up there, and you can check me out in the translation that you prefer, all right? And uh, I normally read from the New King James Version, but today the New Living Translation uh, gives um, a little bit of a, of, of, of a, of a modern-day um, uh, representation of what's going on in the city of Philippi during the time the Apostle Paul and Silas were missionaries there. And today, the title of my message, uh, you won't find it in your dictionary because I coined it. It's a, it's a, it's a new word that I just made up last night. It's called uh, Biblecology. Biblecology 101. Biblecology. Well, uh, it, imagine it to be something like pharmacology or psychology, okay? And it's meant to kind of have that flavor and just kind of, uh, you know, uh, put us on a term and on a, uh, give us a term to use for this morning so that we can handle a few things when we're talking about getting some very good counsel and some very good help from the Word of God. And I don't know how many of you need a little Bible college, but I do. Okay, I need a little counsel from God's Word. I need a little medicine from this storehouse of God. You know, I, I, I need to be medicated. I should be. I had to be medicated as a little boy. We call it my green medicine when I was a little boy. My sister still asks me every now and then, do you need some more of that green medicine? Uh, you know. My, uh, I, I don't know what it was. It was probably full of some kind of drugs or something. But my mama used to give it to me so I'd calm down. And, uh, <laughs> but my mom passed away a few years ago, and here I am. I am and still ready. 
And uh, I don't know what was in that green medicine, but um, it certainly did calm me down. And, uh, and if it didn't calm me down enough, my mother, before I could come to the dinner table, I had to go out and run around and around and around the house. And I'd run around the house, she'd say five times, and I'd run around the house five times. And if that didn't work, and I came back in and sat down at the dinner table and couldn't be still, she'd say five more times. I'd just jump up and run out and run around and around and around, around the house again and come back in and, uh, you know, so that the rest of the family could eat. Uh, I was the... Uh, I was the, uh, the uh, youngest and uh, by far the most active, and my sisters love me, don't you? You know you love me. You know, yeah, I'll get, I'll get a text or a phone call when I get out about this, but, uh, and they still say, you know, uh, you know, Bubba, you need some of your green medicine? You know, you just, man, you're just bouncing around all over the world telling people about Jesus. Uh, no, I don't need any more of that green medicine. I'm a, I like it like this. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but believe me, I need, uh, uh, you know, uh, I need just a little bit of therapy. Okay. And, and just keep me in mind if you have an open spot okay, this week, uh, uh, I've, I've, I've probably, uh, you know, gone way past, uh, my last confession. Okay. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? We're going to be in Acts chapter 16. All right. Our key scripture for today is found in verse 27. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Okay. Y'all got that? Hey, we could go home. We had church. Yeah, that's our text for today. Oh, hold on a second. Maybe I got it wrong. Let's read it again. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. <laughs> Whew, it must have been a pretty bad morning for this guy, huh? In fact, every sign indicates that it might have been even a pretty bad life right up to that point. I mean, it's not even daylight. This guy just woke up somewhere between midnight and daylight. He just woke up. Uh, maybe it was the earthquake. We'll hear about that a little later. Maybe that shook him awake. Or maybe it was the noise of some chains falling on the, on, on the stone. Or maybe the doors of the jail creaking open. We don't know. But, but he wakes up all of a sudden, boom, wide awake somewhere after midnight. And he sees all the prison doors open. And, and uh, he assumes the absolute worst. Have you ever seen something that shocked you, surprised you, or woke up to something, and all of a sudden when you saw it, uh, it you just assumed the very worst? You imagine, oh my goodness, what has happened? He assumed the worst. He saw no reason to go on living. He just wanted to bail out. And his first thought was, I'm going to commit suicide. I'm going to kill myself. Well, that's a picture of somebody already living on the edge. This dude was way too stressed out, <laughs> okay? I mean, think about it. Uh, he was really stressed. We know he had a family. We know that, uh, you know, that, 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 that he wasn't thinking about them, or maybe he was. Maybe he thought that, that, oh, my goodness, this is so terrible. You know, my family would be better off without me. Maybe he was thinking that. I don't know. You know, people think a lot of things, but his first thought was, the best thing I can do is pull my sword out and kill myself. He was having a meltdown, a major meltdown. Have you ever been around someone who all of a sudden something happened and they immediately went into meltdown mode? 
I mean, all of a sudden, boom. I mean, this is all I can take. I can't take anymore. I've gone as far as I can go. I've done this enough, 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 enough. And I, I mean, I, I need out of here. I'm going to quit. I'm going to leave. I'm going to stop. I'm going to, you know, tear something up. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to kick something. I, I mean, I, one little thing, boom, and I'm going to kill myself. It would be better on me if I was just dead. It would be better on everybody if I was dead. That's what he's thinking. Wow. He went straight to suicide. Don't pass go. Don't collect 200. Don't phone a friend. Don't ask for a second opinion. No shout outs. Don't even wait till the buzzer. Final answer. I got to kill myself. Now, if you have ever been in a situation in life to where you had, you woke up to some realization, something happened and all of a sudden you realize that was the last straw. That was the camel uh, back-breaking straw right there. That's all I can take. I can't take no more. I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to, you know, uh, declare bankruptcy. I'm going I'm to bail out. I'm going to jump out of the car. Wow. I, was, I was on patrol one night and I got this radio call. And when the radio call came in, they said that there was... You know, a man and a woman arguing at a store. Uh, it was on the 1 o'clock in the morning, 1.30 in the morning. So, And they were, looked like they were about to fight. And so I just meandered on, on over there, you know, and no, didn't turn my lights on. Or something. I mean, people fight all the time. They fuss all the time. And generally, they get over it and get gone. And I didn't want to do the paperwork anyway. So I'm just kind of taking my time. And, and I get, uh, you know, uh, almost over there. And I see this car coming at me. And I figured it was the car because there weren't many people on the road that time. And they were just coming at me. I'm talking about just going way too fast. And so I pulled off and whipped around. And I cut my lights on. And, and they, whoom, whoom, take off more. And, and there's, a, there's a, a, a railroad track up ahead and a stop sign and it teed and, and they had to stop there. I knew they'd at least slow down. And so I just gunned it and got right up behind them. And when they slowed down and started to pull back out, they were gaining speed. They probably weren't going at, at, at this point because it was almost a complete stop you had to make there to make that turn. And they just started going and boy, I was right behind them and the door opened up and out went the woman. She hit on her elbows and her knees like this. And went and rolled and rolled up into the ditch and up onto the golf course. I wasn't 100% sure whether to stop and help her or go get the guy. I was in this betwixt and between moment whenever he pulled off on the side of the road into the ditch. And so I pulled off between him and her and, and he jumped out of his car and started running back toward her. And I went back uh, toward her and you know, and uh, some things ensued. He, he, he was, she didn't want him touching her and she needed help. She was skint all over. What makes a person want to jump out of a car like that? What makes a person decide this is the best I can do? Well, she had had all she's going to take. It was all, I mean, okay. Now, next morning, whenever I went to get the statements in the hospital, she realized she had made a bad mistake. <laughs> she had made a miscalculation. On top of her husband taking a swing or two at me and him having made a bad mistake. <laughs> so what makes a person get, have you ever been to the point in life where you just decided you had all you could take? This is where this guy was. He didn't get here in a day. 
This is not just a sign of a bad moment. This is the sign of a, of, of a pretty stress-filled life. Maybe he had the wrong job. Maybe being jailer was not what he needed to be. Maybe he was just absolutely too stressed. Uh, you know, I mean, he certainly didn't need to be carrying a sword around with him. Hello? People like this don't need to have access to sharp things. And if he would do that to himself, think what he might do to you or somebody else if you made him mad. Oh, my goodness. Well, on top of, now, forgive me here if it's too much for you, but I'm going to call this a stupid thing to do. Okay? And on top of being stupid, Doing something. On top of all of that, this guy was totally wrong. He was 100% wrong. He had assumed the worst and assumed the wrong thing. What he was basing the most critical life decision on. I mean, this is the biggest decision that he would ever make in his life. He was fixing to take his sword out and kill himself. I mean, there are some pretty big decisions in life. But I would say this one trumps them, okay? He was about to make life's greatest decision based upon an assumption that was totally incorrect totally wrong. He was a nut at this point. Whatever brought him to this point, I don't know. But I do know standing there in that moment, he was dangerous to himself and everybody else because he was believing a lie. He had allowed himself to assume the very worst. He had allowed himself to embrace something that was not true and what he imagined for his future was not the truth. He imagined that he was at his worst moment and he was about to step into his absolutely worst life. You see, in this day and time, if you were a Roman soldier and you were in charge of Roman prisoners under arrest, if they were in your custody and they escaped your custody, you were bound by law to have to serve out their sentence or have to accept their punishment. Now, no doubt in this jail, because this jail was a Roman prison, it had a deep, dark inner dungeon. We know that the prisoners in this prison were not only incarcerated, but they were also chained up in their cells, and even their feet were in stocks, some of them. So we know that this was the baddest of the bad criminals. We know that these were the worst people that they did not want any way for these prisoners to escape. And here this jailer had risen in rank and evidently was under a lot of stress to maintain order in this jail. And many uh, of those prisoners perhaps would have ran free if they could, even if it meant killing him. They had nothing to lose. Most likely some of them were about to face some executions, crucifixions, beheadings. Some of them most likely were going to be facing amputations, having their hands cut off because they had stolen something. Many of them perhaps even facing castrations because if they had committed some sexual uh, 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 um, 
crime, then that was one of the remedies. And it's amazing as well that many of them were probably going to be tortured or going to be beaten. And this guy all of a sudden realizes that every one of those prisoners and everything that was going to happen to them is now going to happen to me. I don't have any choice. My, my life is going to be horrible. I'm not going to be able to survive this. But he was absolutely wrong. You see, when he went to bed that night, those prisoners would probably have killed him to get free. He was worse off before he went to bed. He was in more danger before he went to sleep. When he woke up suddenly and saw the prison doors open and assumed that the prisoners had escaped and was ready to kill himself, it was actually the best day of his life. Because something had happened to those prisoners in the nighttime. They had been listening to Paul and Silas. And they knew that it was Almighty God that had set them free. And instead of escaping, they were having a Bible study. They had no longer, their, their chains had fallen off and the prison doors were open, but they were, not one of them had escaped. He assumed the worst. He assumed it was his worst day when actually it was his best day. He was safer. He was, he was better off. He was in more power and position than ever before in his whole life. It was his best day and he believed it was his worst day. Wow. Totally wrong. And if he thought jail was bad, reckon what he would have thought about hell. <laughs> Things do not automatically get better just because you quit. Visit Rodna, she'll tell you that. <laughs> Things, listen, things don't automatically get better just because you bail out. Or just because you decide, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going Listen, things don't just get better. Sometimes they get worse. One of my many points is this. No matter how bad it is right now, believe me, you can make it worse. <laughs> believe me. He was just about to make it worse. He was without Christ. If he had killed himself, he would have went straight to hell. He would have been the one in the chains and the torment. He, I mean, come on, you know, give me, give me a little beating, you know, go ahead, but man, don't send me to hell. Okay, well, you get the picture here. Let me catch us up on what was going on here in Philippi during this particular moment um, in, in, in this town in the province of Macedonia, which is now um, Greece. It ends up that Paul and Silas, the Apostle Paul and Silas had been sent on a missionary journey to Philippi by the Holy Spirit. Well, when they got there to Philippi, there was a slave girl who was possessed by a demon. And this demon gave her the ability to tell fortunes. This slave girl's owners were making money by her telling fortunes that were inspired by this demon. 
Well, every day that Paul and Silas were walking around, this woman, when they passed this woman, this woman would cry out, and she would tell the truth, but it still irritated them. She would say, there are the men who come from God to show us the way of life. There are the, the, those men came from God. They were sent by God. And, 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 and she would kept saying that day after day after day. And, and it just finally was just irritating. I mean, even, even when the devil tells the truth, it sounds just, you know, you know. You ever have somebody tell you something that's true and it still tastes like dirt? You can be right with the wrong spirit, and it just, ugh. We don't even want to say you're right. We just want to kind of, would you just please be quiet? So one day he was walking, and they had been witnessing. They had been telling people. People had been getting saved. They have been teaching in the synagogue. All, you know, everything's going good, but he walks out, and they're, and they're on their way to prayer. And this woman says, oh, they're the men of God. They're trying to show us the way, you know, and and. Paul, the Bible says, in his spirit, it just troubled him. And he turned around and he said, you demon, you come out of that woman. Well, the devil left that woman. And when the devil left that woman, so did her abilities to tell fortune. And along with the ability to tell fortune went those slave owners' money. And boy, you mess with people's money, they get mad. Sure enough, those people were so angry. The ones that, that were making the money from that young lady, that they grabbed Paul and Silas and they drugged them into the city. When they got them in the city, they started telling everybody, these men are causing trouble. They're, they're, they're doing things that aren't lawful and they're turning our town upside down. And, and they're troublemakers. And so they incited this riot and this mob got together so that finally the magistrates of the city came out and there was a mob that was railing against Paul and Silas and they ended up saying, we're going to going to beat them up. And so they took them, the magistrates did, and publicly stripped them naked. And then they beat them with wooden rods. The Bible says they laid many stripes on them. Wham, wham, wham. I mean, can you imagine a mob having the city authority to beat you with stripes in public with rods? And then when they beat them down with many stripes, they drug them off to prison and they told the jailer you keep them in prison you make sure they're here when we come back for them tomorrow because we're going to you know uh, give the, put them on trial and probably intended to execute them or beat them up some more so the jailer put Paul and Silas down in what's called the inner dungeon down in the deepest darkest place in the center of the prison and he put their feet in stocks well they were already beat with many stripes, you know, naked, beat, alone, dark. Along about midnight, the Bible says, Paul and Silas, the prisoners were listening. The prisoners knew who these people were. They knew what these people had been teaching. Along about midnight, the Bible says, Paul and Silas, they began to pray they begin to sing praises to Almighty God. They begin to say, oh, thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Father. Oh, we worship you. We praise you, Lord. Oh, they, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with these crazy people? The Bible says the prisoners were listening. I guess God was too. I've heard people say that he must have been tapping his foot. That's probably what caused the earthquake. I don't know, but... But there came this great earthquake, so much so that it shook 
and made the chains fall off of the prisoners and, and the stocks release from their feet. And, and, and then the prison doors shaking so much that all the prison doors swang wide open, the Bible says. It didn't just say open. It didn't say loose. It didn't say unlocked. It says wide open. And about that time, yep, all the prisoners were free. They could leave if they wanted to. About that time, the jailer woke up. Might have been the shaking, might have been the noise, might have been the prisoners going, yay, we're free. He might have thought, oh my goodness, here they come. He wakes up, he sees the prison doors open, and before even washing his face, he says, okay, I think I'm going to kill myself. He assumed they were all gone. He was wrong. He was absolutely wrong. I think I'm going to kill myself. Well, he didn't say, I think. He said, I'm going to kill myself. Verse 28, the next verse. But Paul shouted to him, stop. Here's a very good word of counseling for friends. If you ever have a friend that calls you, I think I'm going to kill myself. Say, stop. Okay. Stop. Don't. No. Wait. Hold it. Wait. Whatever you're thinking, it's wrong, by the way. Okay. This living on the edge, which many people are, with one thing pushing them over. There are a lot of people there. He was there. Paul shouted, stop. Don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. I mean, he was, he was beside himself. He probably just came to the realization. He probably just had that shock moment of, my goodness, I was about to kill myself. And there's no reason. They're all here. What in the world is going on? What's wrong with me? Have you ever come to an epiphany that you were wrong? Man, it can shock you all of a sudden to realize I was about to make a critical life decision. I was about to make a life and death decision. I was about to make a decision about my marriage or about my finances, my job, my family, my friends. I was about to make this, this critical big decision and all of a sudden I realized I am wrong. That can unsettle you. It can really shock you. It can make you very afraid. Well, what else am I believing that's not true? Then he brought them out. The jailer brought Paul and Silas out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What can I do here? I need help. I need real help. I need to be saved. I know you've been teaching about, about Jesus. I know you've been, but, but listen, I need to be saved. I need to be helped. This word saved in the Greek is a very particular word. It doesn't just mean saved like you and I mean being born again. It doesn't just mean how can I be born again, although it includes that. What it means is how can I be delivered? How can I be made whole? How can I get fixed? How can I fix what's wrong with me? How can I be made whole and total and complete? That's what the word sozo means. It means to be made complete and whole, spirit, soul, and body. How can I help my mind? How can I help my body? How can I help this inner, this inner turmoil? What can I do about myself? How can I be saved? What must I do to be delivered and to be set free from who I am and from where I am and from what I am and from what's going on around me? How can I be helped? He was asking the right people. 
Because the question he asked, they had the answer to. One of the things he could do was to stop assuming. Stop assuming the worst. Okay? I mean, that's as far as you can reach. Let me encourage you. Stop assuming the worst when something happens. When you see something. When you encounter something. When you wake up to something. When something new and, and it just comes before your eyes. And your eyes are finally open to it. And, and, and it's a shock. And stop assuming the worst. Okay? Chances are you're wrong. Paul and Silas gave him the answer which still works for everyone in every situation every day. Acts 16, 31, the next verse says, They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You will be made whole. You will be made complete. You will be fixed. You will be delivered. You will be inclusive, born again. You will change. You will not be the same person. This will fix you. It'll put you on the right track. Believe. In the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. Today, I want to give you some simple steps to helping yourself and others. You might say, well, I have been saved. Well, let me tell you something. You may need to be delivered time and time again because you can be saved and get into some stinking thinking. You can be saved and start believing the wrong thing. You can be saved and end up feeling ways that you shouldn't feel and wanting things that you shouldn't want. Doing things you shouldn't do. And for that, this remedy is still good today and it's for you Bible College 101 you ready Bible College 101 it's simple you've been hearing it now since oh 20 plus years from me you think what you think you feel what you feel and you want what you want because you believe what you believe. Now that's the truth. Amen. This jailer believed that his life was over. And it caused him to start thinking about what can I do? What can I do to, 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 you know, to, to, to make this better? What, what, what can I do? I got to do something. I got to do something. I got to do something. It made him feel. He began to foster feelings. And, and he felt afraid. And he felt lonely. And he felt you know, fear. And he, felt, and he, and he, he, he began to feel things because he believed all the prisoners were gone. But they weren't. But he believed they were. But they weren't. But he believed they were. But they weren't. It was a lie. He was deceived. He was wrong. He assumed the worst. And he was living according to what he believed and it caused him to think a certain way it caused him to feel a certain way and it caused him to want to die while the apostle Paul and Silas in that same jail they weren't upstairs asleep in a bed they were downstairs beaten in the darkness alone and lonely and without any hope without any help facing uh, perhaps execution or more beatings tomorrow they were the people who should have been feeling like they wanted to die but instead they felt like praying and singing praises they felt like having a revival why because they believed that their next day was going to be better than their 
yesterday. Why? Because God was with them and they believed that where they were, he was. And everything's going to be okay. Glory to God. It's going to be all right. God is with me. And I think, I'm going to think of all the things God could do. I'm going to begin to think, how can I get these prisoners saved? Why in the world am I here? What can I do from this place? How can I glorify God here? They begin to feel all of a sudden the excitement of all, the, all that God can do. Man, a miracle is waiting on me. Oh my goodness, we are in such trouble. Glory to God. God's going to do something great. We are in this hole. Imagine what it takes for God to get me out of this hole. <laughs> Woo! We're about to see something happen here. Oh my goodness. And the more they thought and the more they felt, the more they just wanted to sing praises. They wanted to get so excited. Woo! Glory to God. Look what he's going to do for me. I want to kill myself. I want to have a revival. All because of what they believed. What you believe will determine what you're thinking, what you're meditating on, what you're imagining. It will, it will determine how you're feeling. And it will determine what you want. And if you're believing the wrong thing, you're going to think the wrong things, you're going to feel the wrong things, and you're going to want the wrong things. But if you will go to the Word of God, and if you will decide, I am going to believe in Jesus. I, and if I believe in Jesus and I believe that he is here with me and I believe his word is true, then let me tell you, there's enough in that word that no matter what hole I find myself in, Jesus is right there with me. His word is with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. The devil can't defeat me and I'm not going to kill myself. It's just simple truth. You see, what should we do? We should not assume the worst is inevitable. Once we assume that, that the worst is inevitable, we imagine that there is no reason to continue. There's no reason to continue my marriage. There's no reason to continue in this job. There's no reason to continue going to church. There's no reason to continue praying. There's no reason to continue giving. There's no reason to continue forgiving. There's no reason. There's just, there's just no reason. Once we believe that we've been to our greatest day and it gets worse from here, what should we do? Well, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. You see, Jesus is the answer. If it's broken, he can fix it. If you're weak, he can make you strong. If it's bad, he is not finished yet. Don't assume the worst. When we change what we believe to line up with God's word, we begin to think, feel, and want what God thinks, feels, and wants. Go to his word. Just believe it.